Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set David already accomplished what was necessary to get the daughter, but Saul did not follow through on his word. He had already earned Mireb, but Saul was trying to use her as bait to make David fall into his trap. But it did not work, did it? Because David already said, I cannot afford the bride price. Me and my family were too low. So this was basically a murder plot that didn't pan out the way Saul wanted it to. So now in 1 Samuel 18 and 20. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly, and say, Look, The king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Hear the flattery. Ooh, everybody likes you. Oh, I'll do anything now. And all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. Verse 23, so Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry. Okay, he's changing things up a little bit. He knows he's trying to push David's buttons, okay? The king does not desire any any dowry, but 104 skins of the Philistines. I know y'all are just like, what? (laughs) But 104 skins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Okay, there's no kids in the room. Yeah, there are. But anyway, for those of you who understand what Saul just said, (laughs) um, you know good and well that this is quite the way to make a bunch of men really, really mad. And that's going to make them fight like they ain't never fought before. Send somebody out to cut off their foreskins and that'll make men fight as viciously as they have ever fought. Saul's like, I got David this time. He's going down. (laughs) And so he thinks this is sure, a sure thing to get David killed. And so since David was adamant about staying away from any dowry, Saul switched gears. He found the one way to make David think he was getting the king's vengeance for him. But why did Saul ask for that? 
Why did Saul ask for a hundred foreskins? I mean, aren't there other ways? Bring me a hundred Philistine thumbs or something. Why that? Saul is trying to use some lingo that David has brought up before. He's trying to get to David's concerns. If you remember what David said about Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 26, this is a very key thing here. David said of Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So Saul knows that that is a concern of David. This guy's uncircumcised. He has no right to be defying God's people. And so Saul thinks, aha, I'll use David's concern to try to get David to do this. Saul thought this would be just the way to draw David in. Let's get vengeance. I'll tell him I want vengeance. I'll make that story up. David, I want vengeance on the Philistines. And since you were concerned about this uncircumcised Philistine, why don't you go bring me back a hundred foreskins so that the, the reproach and the insult that they'd put on us, we're going to put back on them. See what Saul's doing? Sneaky dog. Saul is trying to push the right switches and buttons to make David react since the dowry bait did not work. 1 Samuel 18, 26. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore, David arose and went, he and his men, and killed 200. What was the original number? 100. 200. Okay. David went out and he killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins and they gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. Can you just imagine the look on Saul's face? When David walked back in, he throws this bag down on the table (laughs) we all have to react here for a minute (laughs) i'm just thinking 99 100 101 102 103 i'm acting like i'm dealing cards here i shouldn't do that um saul can you say backfire you're trying to take on god and you can't oh after that, I just got to read on. Let's go. I'm not going to elaborate on that. You've, you've pretty well got it. First Samuel 18, 28. Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. Hello, wouldn't you be? He was more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Everybody wants to be highly esteemed, but are you willing to behave wisely? There's the trade-off. Now I want to do my own thing then you're not going to be highly esteemed, at least not in God's kingdom. Again, this message tags right into last Sunday about taking the lowest seat, thinking of yourself as lower than others rather than being prideful because God opposes the proud, Saul, but gives grace to the humble, David. 
Saul is so hell-bent on killing David that he used his own daughters making promises to them and to David for the purpose of a murder, of killing David off. And the more Saul used and manipulated people to get his way, the more popular David became. I know people that are manipulators. They will throw everybody under the bus to try to make themselves better. Guys, you got a reckoning coming with the Lord God for thinking that you're better than everybody else. You're not. Don't think of others as lower than you. You think of yourself as lower than them. Honor them and God will honor you. To think that our entire culture today tells you to promote yourself. You can do it. You can accomplish anything you put your mind to. No, you can't. Not until God steps in. I was trying to do that. I was trying to accomplish my high stature. God come and put a stop on every bit of it. Don't push for your own agenda, for your own benefit, for your own gain. David is on his way up. Saul is on his way down. We see this being played out. Now, some key points we see in this chapter. It's fascinating to me how the man who hated David is the very one who was positioning David for greatness. <laughs> do you hate somebody? I want to ask the people, anybody. We, we, if, if I say, do you hate someone, probably a face or two pops up in your head. I can't stand this guy. But if you orchestrate yourself to take that guy down, do you realize you might actually be working God's will to bring him up and yourself low? That's what's going on with Saul. Be careful what you do. I hate that guy. I'm going to do this to him. And I'm going to set it up where he looks like a moron. I'm going to set him up for failure because I want to watch him fall. You might be the one that falls. Remember Haman tried to take out Mordecai who hung on the gallows. Haman hung on the very gallows that he built for Mordecai. And so basically what's going on here, Saul was positioning David for greatness. But I want to ask you really what was going on here. It was the Lord who positioned David and instructed even the man who hated David to be the instrument of building him up. Only God can do that, guys. Acts 17 and 26 says, And he, the Lord, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Why? So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Why I put that in there is because just like how David was positioned by God, so is each one of us. We are all positioned by God. Where we live, where we work, the period of time when you showed up on this earth to the time you leave. All of that has been set by God for the purpose of getting you to look for Him. You are where you are because God assigned you there to look for Him in some kind of way. He set up circumstances around you to get you to look at His holiness and His righteousness. And we see that happen with David here. If you're a believer, where you are before unbelievers, you're before them so that they can discover Jesus through you. If you're an unbeliever, either way, your placement where you're at is for the Lord's purpose. You may hate where you're at, but if it's for someone else's benefit, then you should serve and submit to the authority that's over you. Very 
unique perspective, isn't it? Don't complain about your coworkers. Don't complain about who you're around. Don't complain about your pay. We got to learn to see the bigger picture of why I am where I am. Because God has a placement on my life. You're here for this time right now because I have a plan that doesn't just involve you. It involves a lot of other people around you. And this is your place to submit and serve. We have to be willing to behave wisely where he's placed us. We are positioned to serve his will. And your move up or down is dependent on whether you're going to be proud or humble. If you're seeking honor for yourself like Saul was, or if your heart is selfless and after the Lord's heart like David's was. Now, another point in the story is focused on David's behavior. David didn't act like everybody else. It says he behaved more wisely than everybody. That's holiness, guys. That's being different from everybody else. And you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And you're going to have people go, what is with you? You're odd. But you know what? They'll see Jesus through you. Don't get offended when they say, you're weird, dude. Let them see Jesus. They'll get over it. They'll, they'll see what you're doing. He didn't act like everybody else did. But the word of God says that David was wise and he was also being promoted up. That's what people are going to start seeing. It's like, that Ray guy is weird, but why does things always turn out for him all the time? I don't get it. Because <laughs> I'm doing what God tells me to do. And it doesn't always come as nicely as you think. It comes with a lot of cost. I had to leave where everything I had, like David did. I had a life before this. I've got a better life. And you will too, if you'll repent and turn and follow the Lord. You'll have a better life than the one you're trying to pursue. Trust me. It's better. He can give you a better one than you think you're going to get. But you cannot invent your own wisdom. David got this behavior from the wisdom of the Lord. You can't invent your own wisdom. You can't get anywhere with it. How do you get this kind of wisdom that shows you how to behave wisely? James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. A modern way of saying this is to say, don't just hear the word, do what it says. The first step in this is to hear it. Probably over 99% of people that I know that say they are a Christian never hear God's word, ever. They don't attend a church. They won't read the Bible for themselves. Nothing. I've got close friends. They won't even listen to my podcast. I'm doing everything I can. To get it to them. They won't come in here. I'll send it out to them. They just don't want it. They don't hear it. And they think that merely calling themselves a Christian makes them okay. That they're headed for heaven. How can you be a doer of God's word if you're not hearing it? Faith comes by hearing the word. Today, everybody wants promotion, but nobody wants to obey the Lord behaving wisely. When people won't obey the Lord, the alternative is that they will live in willful sin. And when bad things start happening to them, they wonder why. It's because of disobedience. You won't behave wisely. And there's a trend happening in, in America and the world right now. Those who refuse to follow the Lord, they just won't do it. They've given themselves over to politics. They believe their government party is going to save them. You know, if you observe people, you'll notice that most people who say they don't trust the media are always listening to it, while those that claim they trust the Bible never listen to it. Notice how James 1.22 says that those who won't listen to God's word 
deceive themselves. Oh, I'm saved because I'm a Christian. You're deceived because you're not listening to, nor are you doing God's word. You're deceived. Oh, but I gave my life to Christ a long time ago. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Are you listening to God's word and are you doing it? Well, no, then you're deceived. Be glad I'm telling you because now you can do something about it, right? And then lastly, the aspect of the dowry, the bride price that neither David nor his father Jesse could afford to pay. They couldn't afford the price of royalty. It was too high, too high a price. So Saul required this crazy high bride price for David to pay. And that bride price was intended to kill David. The bride price was intended to kill David, but it didn't. Jesus Christ could afford our bride price, and it was intended to kill him, and it did. But he rose, and he's alive today. It did not kill him. He rose from the grave and he lives. And the Bible refers to all believers as the bride of Christ. If we are the bride of Christ, then who's the groom? Jesus is. Jesus could afford our bride price, which is why he died on the cross for our, to pay for our death penalty for us. And we can see his death on the cross in marital terms. Because Jesus is the groom. The Bible refers to our relationship with Jesus through marital terminology. 1 Corinthians 6.20, let me show you the bride price. You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The big political argument out there is my body. No, it's not. Right here. Don't be deceived. Listen to God's word and do what it says. It is not yours. Did you pick it? I guarantee you, before I was born, I didn't go through a body store and see this one and go, yeah, I'll take that one. (laughs) You were not, you didn't choose it. It's not yours. It was given to you. (laughs) The laughing is everybody relating to what I just said. But there's a good reason why we should glorify God instead of just staying busy with our own agenda like most people do. When you get engaged to somebody, it is your responsibility to be faithful to that person. Only that person all the way up until the wedding day. And in biblical times, the bride and groom, they were separated during their engagement up until the wedding day. Why? Why were they separate from each other until the wedding day? Because the groom was away in another place, preparing a place for both of them to live together. He would say, I betrothed myself. And during that that engagement, he went away and started building a place to live. And then they saw each other on the wedding day and says, now you can come with me. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions, dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
I'm engaged to the Lord Jesus. I'm the bride of Christ. Church, we're believers in Messiah Jesus. And he went away to make a place. Now, I, it's my responsibility to stay faithful. How would it be if you say, all right, I'm engaged to you, and, but you go around and, and, and mess around with everybody else? And then you show up, it's like, okay, here I am for the wedding day. You know what you're going to be told? Uh, you were messing around. I don't know who you are. And that's Matthew seven twenty one that ought to scare people. When Jesus says, depart from me, I, didn't, I never knew you. You played around. You were betrothed to me, and you were not faithful to me. I look forward to the day when I hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, you knew you were betrothed to me and you stayed faithful to me. In the place where you're at, I don't want to be here. Be faithful to your Lord. I wish I could get some other place. I would Be faithful to your Lord. He assigned you there. It's part of your betrothal agreement that you stay faithful and behave wisely in that location. He's going to tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. David could not afford a royal bride price because of his lowliness. But what's fascinating to me is that Jesus could afford our bride price and he paid it through lowliness on the cross. He paid a king's ransom for all those who will put their trust in him. I just wanted to show you that gospel clip in the story today. Father, we thank you. We forever and eternally don't deserve it. I can't pay you for what you did. I can't afford. But what I can do is be faithful in appreciation for what you have done. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we're going to be called to battle. We're going to be called away from things we used to do, like David. We're getting called, we got called out of our lives. Lord, when I gave you my life, I was crucified with you, and I no longer, longer live. But now, Christ, you live in me. But I had to leave that old life. But now I serve you. And sometimes, Lord, I think in my worldliness, I don't like where you put me. Oh, I wish I made more money. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. But Lord, this is your placement. And I will obey the authorities that you have put around my life. And I will serve you and submit to you. I will behave wisely. And Lord, it's sometimes hard. But Lord, I know you're with me just like you were with David. And every time David went out to war, he came back. Lord, your people that you send out for slaughter sounds terrible. But they're going to leave this church today, Lord, and they're going to go back out into their lives this week, and they're going to be slaughtered. People are going to come at them. Lord, I celebrate they're going out. But Lord, I also celebrate they're coming back in every Sunday. They made it back again another week. I celebrate that. That's why I love them. Forgive us for forgetting your placement. Thank you that you send us out and bring us back every time. We will remain faithful until you call us to the place you built for us. I am betrothed to you, Jesus, my groom. Thank you for calling me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.